Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 156. I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time, been wanting to get this guest back on the podcast. Um, Ever since we recorded way back on episode 7, which was actually December 2018, I can't believe it's been that long, but the guest for episode 156 is Wayne Richardson. Wayne is the performance manager and founder of Richardson Sport does some amazing work um, with athletes, but he's also getting into mentoring of coaches now as well. We touched on loads of different areas in this podcast. We spoke about building a reputation. We spoke about the draw of consultancy. We talked about knowing your value, why players choose him. So the reason he stands out above other coaches. We talked about creating a business, creating a brand. We also touched on... um, dealing with the person first so we're not dealing with footballers we're dealing with people we spoke about racial discrimination that Wayne has faced in the industry as well Um, and Wayne gave some really honest and open experiences about him working with players as well and I really appreciate him being so open and honest as well Um, probably the most honest conversation that I've had on the podcast so far with some of the stories that that Wayne told on this episode so I really appreciate him coming on it was great to catch up with him I joked at the start because we we always try and book time in for a coffee and a catch up and it never happens so um, it was great to to chat with him and finally get some time with him so I hope you enjoy enjoy the episode Just before we dive into it, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody that's made it out to our networking event so far. As this meeting goes out, last week we had our event at South Wales University. Great event, some brilliant presentations and discussions um, and a top facility down there as well. If anyone's down that way, go and check it out. The gym is brilliant. They've got a great indoor facility um, and some great pictures outside as well. Really, really nice facility at South Wales Uni. So go and check it out. But yeah, big thank you to everyone that's made it out to the event so far. We are going to be announcing some more events very, very soon. Hopefully in the next podcast. Um, so if, we, if it doesn't happen before, we will be announcing episode 157, some, some events coming up. So keep an eye out for those. But we will get into the podcast now, episode 156 with Wayne Richardson. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 156. This is an episode I've been looking forward to for a long time for a number of different reasons. One, because I know how good it's going to be. But also, I always try, we always try and catch up, don't we, Wayne? (laughs) And we never find time to actually get a chance to sit and have a chat. So that's another reason why I'm looking forward to this. And I'm joined by the founder and performance manager at Richardson Sport, Wayne Richardson. So Wayne, thank you for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. And I was looking before, the first podcast we did was December 2018, which oh, is God. mental. Like, yeah. there's so much yeah. happened in that time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, amazing. You know what I mean? Especially, obviously, for, for, for you as well, you know, podcast-wise, you know what I mean? And some of the fantastic guests that you've been on there, and I've been inspired by some of the guests as well. But to be part of that has been amazing, you know, for how you set out and, and being part of that is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's massive. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Not at all, mate. You're always coming back on at some point, even even if it took us a few years to organise it. Um, but Wayne, 
We've got loads to, to get through in this. So I want to get into a bit of background on yourself first. Obviously, you, you talked about it in the previous episode, but let's just give a bit of an overview. Your career, and then talk to us about Riches of Sport. Tell us what you do. Yeah, okay. So started out purely by um, walking past uh, Platt Lane, which is the old city training facility. And I, I was quite lucky um, because just used to city used to house their training facility on one kind of like one area in Moss Side, and I used to watch the academy and the, the first team uh, train there. But at the same time, it had a community element as well. And I started at Man City. I spent probably practically probably about eighteen years on and off working at Park Lane, and I was very fortunate to work with some really really good coaches there. Not directly straight into the first team or the, the academy, but just working in the gym, doing some community work. And at the same time, there was some opportunities that came up working with the academy as well. But I think at the time where most of your listeners and most of the, the practitioners that have been on there, where they've gone and done internships and stuff as well and, and been successful, I was quite fortunate because what I did was while I was working in the gym, I remember a coach watching me and, and I was helping a few footballers and uh, not connected to Man City at the time and he and he approached me and said to me how often do you do this you know all this kind of you know what are you doing and I just said well I'm just doing some running mechanics and doing um some pre-activation he said what is it can you explain to me and at the time at City you didn't remember if they were they got relegated and they were in like the old second second vision you know still having 30,000 turn up at that, 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 at their, at that lane. So he said to me, what are you doing? And I told him what I was doing. He said, will you implement some of that with some of the academy? And the academy, they only had the um, physio, the, you know, the manager, the academy manager. There was no sports science kind of thing behind it. There was nothing at all. There was no support for the players. There was no mentors. There was no nutritionists. There was nothing at all. So I was able to kind of go in there and implement a few things in the day. And it was quite fortunate to then do that. At the same time, there was other things in the evening that came from that, the likes of, you know, England lacrosse and um, working with non-league, non-league teams and setting up kind of like non-league camps for, for teams to come in and do pre-pre-season work. So during that time, I was there probably three or four times a week. But then at the same time, there was a company, an individual company that I set up when the Premier League was formed called New Life Fitness. And there was a guy there called Eddie Baranowski. I think Tom Little must have mentioned him a while back of people that we've kind of touched on. And he kind of gave me an insight into working with um, then, which was the polar heart rate monitors and the watch. It was the nearest thing before they started having catapult vests and stat sports vests and having data and having data analysis and everything. And we were able to go to different clubs. So I was able four days at Man City and three days working over the weekends and stuff as well, working for this guy who's based in Huddersfield. And it was a great insight in terms of like working with different teams, working with individuals, working with first team to team players. And then unfortunately what happened was at that time, Ben, they, um, the Premier League made it compulsory that everyone had to be of a degree and master's status. So um, I had to, I got called back into Atman City and they said, unfortunately, Wayne, you know, we're enjoying all this good work that you're doing and what you're doing. And, and same with Eddie Baranowski, but we need somebody in here or of degree equivalent. So I had to go back to university, which was quite tough then because then I'm, I'm having to work part time and then I'm having to um, do all my kind of like studying at the same time. You know, not been in university or college for a long time since leaving school, uh, reacquainting myself with different things and different methods. And then when I went back into it, 
all the jobs were basically taken or all the managers either been sacked or moved on. So it's a completely different... So I had to kind of reinvent myself. And it was only when I then received a phone call from a, um, a, a top a top uh, coach at Man City at the time when City um, went into doing all this and moved to Carrington. He rang me and said to me, there's, a, there's an opportunity for you to go to um, a Premier League club as an uh, academy sports scientist stroke, you know, uh, strength conditioning coach and I went down down south to then go for this interview and which I'll touch on later on Ben it was it was an ultimate nightmare um and I just said you know if this is what it's all about you know and I was pulling my hair out a bit thinking well which way do I go what do I do you know I don't know what where where to go and I came out of it and I remember my partner she said to me Wayne what's the situation what have you got on with the interview and I said look you know, it's um, don't think it's a goer. I said, listen, I've been thinking about this all the time and for probably about two, three weeks. I don't know how you, what you feel about this, but um, why did you start your own thing? And I said, what's that? She said, um, Richardson Sport. And I said, nah, I'm not having that. This is some sort of joke. And she went, no, what I've done is I've contacted a few places. Um, I spoke to a few people. We can go and we're going to have a meeting with these people at Sports City. This is what we're going to do. And how do you know it? it all mapped out then. Had it all mapped out. And I was just despondent because my main aim at the time while working in football was working at a club. All you probably your listeners will probably aspire to working. You've, you've got to be with the first team. You've, you've got to be in around that. You've got to be, you know, you've got your number on or your, your name on your top. You know, you're wearing a tracksuit. You feel quite part of it. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden it was like, nah, you know, if this is what, I, this is what it's all about, I'm not really interested. So we started 2010. We started Richardson Sport in 2010, June 2010. And Ben, you know what? I've never looked back. I've never looked back since. It's been it's been a ride, but it's been an amazing ride because those things in the past have set me up for what has happened now. And if I didn't have people around me that basically had my best interests at heart, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. You know, so football-wise, it's taught me a lot being in and around those kind of like environments, those professional setups. But you find out who's who in those kind of professional setups as well. You know, people that are, are going to be for you, going to be against you. It then becomes a bit of a kind of like competition. Well, you've not mentioned to me and you've not done this. And I think, wow, you know, why can't we all just work along? You know, why can't we all just get along and just work along? So it was, you know, that was kind of my journey right through up to working for Richardson's, you know, now coming to Richardson's sport. And for people that don't know, like, you're, you've got all sorts of Premier League players, international players coming to see you now. Like, every time someone signs for one of the top clubs, especially in the Manchester area, I'm like, they're going to end up working with Wayne. <laughs> but uh, on that, though, reputation is something that I wanted to talk about because you've just mentioned there, 2010. So we're talking 11 years as we record this that Richardson Sports been running. And people need to be aware of that. It's been 11 years of hard work of building this reputation. But I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast. I speak to a lot of people, especially in the Manchester area, but in football in general, they know that Wayne works with footballers. Those two things go together because there's a reputation there that has been developed over years. And this is people that aren't involved in football. Like it could just be anyone in the city. Like people know about you and what you do. And the, the thing I wanted to pick out at that is some advice from you because we all have a number of listeners that, arriver starting out on the journey, coming through university, aspiring to be any somewhere near where you're at right now. Or there might be people that have set up their own businesses that are maybe going through that initial struggle of trying to get attracted by players. And you know what it's like. So what would you say in terms of 
um, advice for people and coaches to build that reputation so people know exactly what they do and the impact they can have? I think things like this, Ben, these platforms are very well needed. And I think what you're doing is integral in terms of like the things that you set up around the country because the more people that know about it, the better. And I've been on probably about two or three of them and realised I've networked and I still keep in contact with those people and just network. You don't have to, it doesn't have to always be kind of like a sports science issue or S&C issue. Get to know people. Get to, you know, if you go into a situation, you get to know network with people. It doesn't have to be in kind of even in that environment. A prime example of that is uh, a very close friend of mine, um, which one of your uh, your kind of colleagues goes to, he's, a, he's very much, a, he's a barber. And he very much like has these players coming in all the time or as agents and everything. And I've had that ability to kind of sit down and talk to a lot of the agents while they're in the chair, because it's like that fiber chair or time, like having a taxi driver or a bar chair. They're always going to talk. The taxi driver's always going to talk to the passenger. The barber's always going to talk to the person that's in the chair. And everyone always gets that point there where they like to talk about themselves. Do you know what I mean? What do you do? What are you up to? And everything like that. And that's so I spent about nearly two years in my friend's shop saying, this is where I'm based. This is what I do. This is, you know, how it can possibly help some of your clients. And quickly, it then started to build up. So a prime example of that was that then I was on my way home. The first time that we had one of our major clients, we were on our way home. And my partner, she said to me, um, you know, what time are you coming back? And I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm on the M62 now. And then I got a call from my friend who's part of said to me, listen, turn your car back around. There's an address here. You need to go and see this person right now. And I just said, look, my missus has just started dinner and, you know, we've got, we've got something to do and everything. She's, she'll have them, she'll have them backside. He said, no, listen, you need to turn the car around. And it was like the first major person I dealt with then. Anyway, when I got there, I got to the area uh, where he lived. We lived in, uh, we lived in, in like in Wormslow. And then I got there and there was cameras and everything around the house at the time. And she said, where are you? I said, I'm in Wormslow. She said, yeah, I've just seen the car on Sky Sports News. Pulling into this, pulling into this area. And uh, I went in, Ben. And it was so funny because when I when I drove in, I got shown in into this house. It was a massive house, and it was um, a certain Premier League player. But the agent was at the time it was uh, Mino Raiola. So I'm sat there then, round this table talking to Mino Raiola, this player and his advisor. And he said to me, "Listen, there's been a situation. We want your help." And I'm like me, you know. And it's like my first major kind of thing, all because what I did was Ben just network with different people, just spoke mm. to them, not, this is what I do, I'm the best at anything, just say, listen, if you need any help, I'm around at the time. And those are the kind of things, Ben, that you have to do, you know, your groundwork, yeah. putting in that, a lot of people, some people, volunteering, we take it for granted. I spent nearly six years at, at Man City volunteering, not getting paid, volunteering. And it was like, it was something else. And those things are very, very kind of like, underutilized now, because we live in a fast world now where a lot of the, um, students have gone to university, they've amassed this amount of debt, then it's coming out there where in the past we've had opportunities or had jobs where I've been at clubs and like £12,000. Mm. And you think, wow. So I said, okay, well, how are you going to kind of like build up your reputation? What are you going to do next? How are you going to wait for things to come to you? Are you going to go out and look for it? What are you going to do next? And it's given them kind of opportunities where we spend most of our time then taking in emails from people, even up to PhD standard that basically look like, I'm in a bit of a dilemma. I want to work with players. I want to work with different people. And I said, right, okay, well, what are you doing to kind of achieve that? Where are you going? Who are you networking? Have you spoken to Federation Football Fit? Have you spoken to, have you been on LinkedIn? Have you communicated with people? What do you do? You know what I mean? 
you're not in that kind of like area where you you know you're going to be testing like for force plates and things like that as well you've got to network at some point you have to talk you have to talk at some point so what are you doing to achieve that and nine times out of ten most of them turn around and go um well i'm a scientist i don't really deal with that i don't deal with this and you know um someone's asking to do some work with them but i don't know how to price this up and i said oh, that's the whole point of business at some point you're going to have to do this so let's walk through it so we, you can understand what's going on and that reputation, um, I always said, Ben, that I would always, at some point, no matter how successful I was, I would always come back and help someone. I would always come back and help the next person. I would always open the door for someone. I've had negatives and I've had positives. Yeah. But I will always try and support um, the next generation, you know, and it's tough starting out. But at the same time, you know, how can I help? And, and that's, what, that's how I set out. And that's, that's building that reputation. Yeah, 100%. And it... It is one of those that I think people take for granted, don't they? Because, and this is probably partially down social media. It's maybe a negative side of social media because the positive is that we get to see you working with player X, Y, and Z. We get to yeah. an insight into how they prepare for a game or how they prepare, how they train behind the scenes. But at the same time, people can look, you, look at you as a business and go, oh, I want to do that. I want yeah. that within a couple of months. And you're like, no, no, listen to what you're saying. I've been running for 11 years. It's taken 11 years of... You know, the, the thing about it as well, right, we've had so many, I've had so many coaches that have come in that have gone on and, and done very, very well. And, you know, I still get, like, messages from umpteen coaches waiting. I wouldn't know where I was without you. And I said, because you know what? The greatest thing, Ben, that you can give someone is your time. Mm. It's the greatest thing ever you can give them is your time. Not because of what you know and, and you're the expert. Just listen, you know, yeah. when I have a problem, I'm going through an issue. I'm working at a football club. I'm going for an interview. How do I need to go through this as well? Okay, I'll be taking you notes. Do you know anyone there? Could you then spend a day with like a team, which what I did when I was at City, because I asked that question to a lot of the backroom team. If you had the budget and we didn't have to deal with the stakeholders, what would your kind of like prime example of your kind of physiotherapy department or SNC department or the sports scientist department? What would it what would it look like? Mm. And they go, they'll come back to me and go, Wayne, you know what? That information there, you were exactly right. I had someone two weeks ago and he came to me and said, Wayne, I've turned down the job at a Premier League club because it, it, what they were offering me and my experience and where I've been and I've been in the first team, didn't, it, there, was no, there was no comparison. Mm-hmm. And the best thing, you don't always, don't have to say yes to everybody, Ben. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the saying no to some people and just knowing your worth, you know, knowing what you're worth and knowing that at some point it's going to take time to build up but the best thing to do is ask questions and, and try and find out. If you're not sure, do you research and find out? And we always want, like you said, Ben, that quick fix solution, that quick fix. Social media, it looks great. It looks fantastic. Someone's doing better than me. But okay, how did, we, how did you get there then? Mm. I, you know, it's not like, and I've had so many coaches, Ben, recently that I tried to help and then I've gone away working with a player abroad and they've come in and tried to set up at the same place as me. Yeah. And you think to yourself, wow, you know, I've just gotten your DRB. You didn't know anything about your DRB. You didn't know anything about tax or accountants or anything like that as well. It's just that you you feel because of your qualifications and because of who you are, you feel that you're better. Not, you know, and it's it's difficult, but, you know, you learn. You learn from it. I think if we went into all the struggles behind the scenes, it would have to be a full few hours of a podcast wouldn't it because as a business owner there's an endless yeah. list isn't there and things yeah. that you don't even think about crop up all the time 
And yeah, I say yeah. that because that's what that's what people that look at what you do probably think like, oh, I, I'll go in and do that. Like, but yeah. not even realizing there's everything else that goes on behind the scenes and all the sort of battles and struggles that you face along the way. Well, the yeah. other thing I was going to touch on is that draw of consultancy. Because we'll know loads of coaches that are involved in full-time football that are really happy about what they're doing. They're really happy in their roles, the clubs they're at, the way the clubs are set up, the coaches they're surrounded by. They're in great positions. I, I could list a whole name of them, a whole list of them right now. But there's also a, a big draw at the moment, I think, in particular, towards consultancy, isn't there? Yeah, and definitely. what's your views on that? Because you're talking as an experienced coach, but I think the the this is just my opinion, the draw of consultancy is coming from less experienced coaches now that probably haven't had the time in the trenches working with players and that they think they can go and set up by themselves. I don't know what you think on that. Yeah, so I mean, that, I think you hit the nail right on the head, Ben, um, in terms of like people going into it and, and going in there blind and thinking what I can do is I can just set up at a local gym or somewhere, you know, like a track or something and, and set that up. And we we get inundated with people we, you know you've got like the likes of the Shane Murphys of this world and the John Noonans mm. who are setting up mainstream projects and stuff as well at the moment which are really really good and it's you know it's quite in depth and I think the best thing to do for a young coach is to maybe go through a mentoring project as well with an experienced coach to kind of guide them through that as well before they then go into it so I've seen coaches that have set up and you always say that your biggest biggest thing is your year, the year that you've got one year where you're yeah. going to go you're going to leave and, and try and get some consultancy work or do something yes if you can go in somewhere and you can gain some experience and even in, a, in another sport that's fantastic but don't feel that it's going to come to you straight away because certain things are going to take time they're going to take time to build you're going to have to find a, a place that you're going to have to grab a great relationship with then you're going to have a situation where you're going to try and get business in communications with obviously with the clubs and the players do you speak to the agents? Do you speak to the players themselves? And these are the tests. These are the major tests that you then basically have as a consultant to try because you're not just doing one thing. So they think, well, what I can do is I can just train them. But then when they have to go to a meeting and then start discussing things, it's like, well, hang on a minute. I don't know anything about this. And that's why, that's why mentors nowadays, like John Newnans and Shane, are, are really worth, worth, the, worth the weight in gold, you know, in terms of like what they're doing. Mm. Can you feed can you have that on a regular basis where am I actually doing the right thing? Am I approaching that? But not only that, then you're either a businessman or a businesswoman. You have to be, you have to be a business, you have to be a business person now, not just the scientist or the conditioning coach. So the consultancy thing is really, really tough. If you go into it with your eyes closed, get the right information, speak to the right people, get a mentor, talk to them, and then at least then they'll guide you in terms of the right path. But you just told a story before as well about sacrifice. Like yeah. when you were on the way home to, to your missus, you get a call, like you have to be willing to make those sacrifices as well, don't you? And when people talk about work-life balance, that's probably a whole different topic. But yeah. there is sacrifice. I know that you've, you've made a number of sacrifices along the way to, in mm -hmm. order to succeed. So people have to be willing to do that as well, don't they? Yeah, of course. I mean, on, on the road, you know, like you think about it, sometimes during the transfer window, you know, um, you're on. You know, you're getting at six thirty, and you, you you're on your way. You're on your way home, so you see you see your family in the morning when you're leaving, and then you don't see them again because everybody's in bed. You know, it's it's that thing. And sometimes I've been frightened, Ben, that I've, I, I'm going to come home to an empty home. Mm -hmm. It's lucky that, but 
I've got a relationship with my partner where after 11 years, she understands what, I'm, what, what I do. But it's yeah. that sacrifice, making all those long hours. You know, are you prepared to then do them long hours? Are you prepared to then sit down and someone will ring you up and say, listen, I've got a problem. I need to speak to you. 11, you know, which I'll touch on later on, one, two o'clock in the morning, parents ringing you up saying, my son daughter's been released by a club. We don't know he's locked himself in his bedroom. She's locked himself in the bedroom, don't want to talk. You know, and it's like you're picking up the phone, it's like that 24-hour citizens advice bureau, you know, and you think to yourself, wow, is, is this what my job's about? You know, I only set out to be a conditioning coach or a sports scientist. And now I find out that it's so vast in terms of, like the direction that you know you, you, you're like an octopus you're getting pulled from pillar to post can you be here at this time can you be in london okay then um i've got a slot tomorrow uh, london be there for 10 o'clock that would be working with a top agency can you be there for 10 o'clock in the morning now you're having to change your diary change you know everything else then sort out child care and sort out everything else and and then be there because that work might guarantee you work for the next you know it's not just the here and now it's it could be long term you know what i mean yeah. building for um, a reputation and networking with different people from different parts of the country so I think that's important you know are you prepared or are your listeners are prepared to make those sacrifices when times get tough are you prepared not just to stay in the right area and then go somewhere else as well so it is it is um it is very very tough then you know trying to do all of that and you just touched on a really interesting area like the evolution of your role because going from sports scientist to SNC coach to business owner to probably, you probably agree, like more mentor now to coaches, to players, as well as doing all the S&C and sports science as well. It's a really interesting sort of path, isn't it? And something that I'm, I'm just putting words in your mouth, but maybe something that you're not set out to do initially, but it's the way that things transition, isn't it? And, you know, like part sometimes it's going to be situations where we all set out to be, you know, to have that role, you know, you know, mostly listening to be that, sports scientists or that fitness coach or whatever the case may be. And sometimes them journeys are going to take you on some different kind of different kind of pathways. So I there was a situation where I went to um, working with um, a, a youth support team, which was partly run by Manchester City Council and Great Manchester Police. And it was a five-year project. And part of that was I'm going into police stations and speaking to young kids that were involved in crime. And I always remember, Ben, that there was one guy there in particular, he was 14, 14, and a father of three at 14 years old. An ex-talented footballer that had been in an academy, but you wouldn't have thought he was 14, but mm. he'd been in prime. And you might say to yourself, well, what's this got to do with what I'm doing and what I'm after? And what I'm trying to say is that sometimes those kind of conversations and those kind of things prepare you for what's to come. You know what I mean? It's a test. And I've been... Nothing doesn't phase me now when I hear things, you know, from like academy players and, you know, different things where, you know, they've, they've got the girlfriends pregnant or something's happened and you have to sit down, they're not told and the parents, they're telling you what you still have to do because it's a child protection issue or something is, you have to be that child protection, you have to be that mentor, you have to be that, you know, that father, you have to be all those things and you think to yourself, wow, I only set out my role to be a sports scientist, conditioning coach. And then what I'm finding out is now that I'm all these things now I'm thinking, wow, sometimes I have to come down. Sometimes ben, I cry my eyes out. Yeah. Not because of the situation of like how it is, but some of the things that people tell you and what they're involved in and what they do, you know, and you think, wow, just watch you on the TV and you're playing and all of a sudden you're in the way and I've got a problem. I've not spoken to the manager. I need to come in and have a chat with you. 
because you're that kind of impartial in that impartial view. So there's so many different roles with that. And the, 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 you, you kind of like your audience have to kind of understand that you're not always going to be in one role because there's going to be a situation where you're going to sit down and you're going to talk to somebody that you've been helping through, whether rehab or SNC or sports science. And that person is going to confine in you because you may be the, the only outlet out. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's uh, roles are quite vast in terms of what you do. And, and that's where it comes to forgetting that we're dealing with footballers and that we're actually dealing with people, isn't it? Like when, you, when you've got people coming to see you, you're not just talking about squat mechanics, about the way they lunge and things like that. That's probably one of the last things you're talking about. You're talking about, you're talking to a person, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you, you, Ben, you know, like two things, you know, it's saying about like players and stuff as well. Two things that really, really spoke to mind um, for me was a player now that's at, uh, that's at a German club Moved from a Premier League club to a German club, and this particular player didn't have he didn't have anything. He didn't have no kind of like sport mechanism. Didn't have anything. He wasn't. He was kind of resort to handouts, and then made a massive move to the Bundesliga, and he's doing fantastically well now. But at the beginning, it was a case of I haven't got no trainers to train in. Um, my parents basically would bring me on. His sister would bring me on the bus. The minute when he then started kind of making some form of inroads, and we were doing some mentoring with him because he was on the verge of getting kicked out of the football club. So we did some mentoring with him and just said, listen, you know, this is the process. Go in the speed to the club. This is what you need to do. This is how you conduct yourself. This is how you behave. And the parents and the system was all for them. Roll on then, then, two years after doing all this work with him, the sister then has her head turned by an agent. And he now starts going because he's now playing in the first team, doing very, very well, gets his move for a lot of money. And then they now start turning up with a brand new Mercedes A-class. They start wearing Gucci, they start wearing all different things and all that. And you think to yourself, wow, you can see that evolution of like where you were used, you were useful at one point. And all of a sudden, as soon as then kind of money then starts coming into it, it then starts to change the dynamics of that particular person because then all of a sudden you've got all these people around them and you can't even get near them. Yeah. And at one point, speak to them on a regular basis, and you can't even speak to them now because you're oh, you have to speak to that person. I'm the guy that sorts out his transport. I'm the guy that sorts this out, and it's really, really tough. But then on the other side, Ben, you then have players that will come to you that you then get referrals. And this particular player that I worked with, he he was he was referred to me from from an academy director. And he said, well, if you can get him fit and you can look after him, you can do working magic with him." He'll be a fantastic player, and I can offer him a trial at this Premier League club. And then I spent about nearly, you know, a couple of sessions with him, two hours. And one particular day, he rang me and he said to me, "Listen, I need to come in and talk to you." And I said, "Listen, what is everything all right?" He said, "I'd rather speak to you face." And when I went in, Ben and I spoke to him, and um, he sat down at Park Lane at the time, and he said, "Listen, I've um, got this situation that my my partner's pregnant." And I, and I said to him, I said, okay, so congratulations, you know, I've got a daughter and, you know, he said, well, I, I, I would be happy, but I've just realised, you know, she just told me today that it's not mine, I've had an affair. Mm-hmm. And I'm, wow, okay. And I sat down there, Ben, right, and me and were talking, forget about training now, it's mm-hmm. not the person. Two and a half hours. He went home, Ben. Sorry, man. He went home and he committed suicide. And I was the last person then that he spoke to. I was the last person that he spoke to, right? And 
it hit me for six, you know, because I said, what could I have done to kind of like, what can I have done to help? And I was blaming myself for a lot of the time, you know, and I knew from that day, Ben, when that happened, I knew that this, which the sport part of that process was just kind of like help players that were going through this, even pre-lockdown. This was happening, you know, pre-lockdown, before lockdown. And I sat down there and he took his own life and I was getting, getting more kind of like um, communication from different people who were going through like different kind of aspects of their life in terms of like being released from clubs and all that kind of stuff. And it became like this very much like this thing mm. where I down and talked to them, you know, like this, this, this thing. And I knew from that day that there was a purpose. It was a bit of a calling and it was a bit of a purpose to try and support the next, you know, like people around there, whether it's men, women, boys, girls, whatever. There's things that you can't deal with that you have to post on and you have to be mindful of that. But at the same time, when setting up Richardson Sport, one of the key things for me was how am I going to support the next generation in terms of it's not about them training, but it's the whole aspects of the whole holistic approach. Yeah. No, 100%. And like, I'm sure many people can't resonate with that to that level because like hopefully that hasn't been a regular occurrence but i know that it's something that you post about a lot now isn't it the, the whole mental health side of of support and whatever role we're in dealing with again forgetting that the football is dealing with people like we talk about soft skills and it's probably a bit fluffy and we don't really understand fully what it is but the, the fact that you're having conversations with people and vulnerable people as well in these situations regardless of their age as well like it, it doesn't matter, does it? It just depends on circumstances. Like mm. you're going to come across conversations like this. And again, it might be, it might be someone at a club. You might be a consultant working privately with players. Like I, th- I hope that just sort of, yeah, I'm sure it will. It hits home that, that these are the things that you have to be wary of. And, and I don't know if you can be ready, but you have to be aware of that this sort of stuff happens. Yeah. And you have to be that very much like that, that listener. Yeah. Part of you, you you know it's not just about how good you are in terms of like you know doing data and doing testing and doing everything else that comes with it as well you have to be that listener you have to be pragmatic you have to sit down and and be willing to kind of give it the time and talk to people and stuff as well players sometimes when they then get injured are probably at the most vulnerable because they're thinking so many different things am i going to be back in the squad i'm out of sight out of mind the manager's not spoken to me all that kind of stuff as well it's been kicked to the side so you're kind of like there your kind of like their support mechanism while they're in that kind of that gym environment and doing the rehab setting as well, as well as the physios and all the staff that are really there as well. When they actually come in and do, do some extra work with you, a lot of the players then start kind of talking about different issues, different problems, what they're going through. And also what you've got to remember is with that as well, it's about confidentiality, you know, because you could release so many things. I could write a book about so many different people and, and doing stuff, but, the way that you build up, like you mentioned previously before, Ben, about reputation is then having that confidentiality. We've been approached by many agents and many people, and they've said to me, Wayne, listen, you bring the player to us, this is what it's worth to you. And I said, no, because you know why? Because it's taken me a long time to build up a reputation. Years to build, seconds to lose. And if I then end up going and doing something like that, you know, well, it could be worth a lot of money to you. And I said, no, because you have to be honourable, but at the same time, you have to be supportive and knowing that that person has come to you with something to try and help them. So, you know, and, you know, the, the, the thing that they come to you, I am honoured when people come to me, no matter whether they're grassroots or Premier League players. So I always try and listen, Ben, and, and be supportive, but at the same time, 
this for you, for you kind of like your audience, this is a bigger thing, you know, if you're going into it, be mindful that there's other things rather than just being involved in the SNC Sports Science game. Now, it's one hell of a time to be a Football Fitness Federation online community member because the first stage of our upgrade is now live. So if you are a member, log in, go and check it out. I'm absolutely delighted with it. The setup is first class. The guys that have been working on it behind the scenes have done a great job. So go and check it out. There are going to be numerous stages to the upgrade, so there's going to be things added as we go through over the next week or so, but the first stage is live, so the community looks very different, um, but the content, it, the, the quality content that's on there is a little bit more manageable now, it's easier to get around, and we've also added the presentations from last week's event at South Wales Uni. So we have three presentations, Cardiff City first team S&C coach Mike Beer, um, head of fitness and conditioning at Bristol City Patrick Holm, and then development coach Reese Carr and soccer science founder as well, Reese presented. Um, Mike's was a little bit more focused on strength and in the gym, uh, individualizing strength programs. Patrick then took it out onto the pitch, so individualising conditioning work. And Reese brought it all together, really. It worked really nicely because he focused a little bit more on the individual, technical, tactical, and that sort of thing. So a really nice balance across the three presentations. But you can, if you came to the event, you can log in and you can go and check them out again and watch the presentations again. If you weren't able to make the event, um, you can go back and you can watch the presentations. If you're not already a member go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up and it'll give you one month free. After the free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward and you'll get all the content that's on there. Um, you get all the member benefits as well that are available, many discounts with some of our partners out there um, and also future presentations from our networking events will all be uploaded onto the community as well. So go and check it out, www footballfitfair.com click the community tab sign in if you're a member if not register there and get yourself a free month here's part two of the podcast with wayne richardson because it comes down to the reason that they choose you doesn't it because you've already mentioned a few other people out there that work in that similar sort of space that are doing an amazing job in terms of shane and, and john but there's many many other people now going into the, the consultancy side of things setting up businesses so that there's a lot of choice out there yeah but standing out in that crowd is what you guys essentially are doing because of the work you're doing, but also because of the relationships that you build with the players. Um, yeah. And I'd probably argue, again, my, my, point, my perspective, my point of view, that that is probably more of a reason that people would seek out people like yourself than the technical side because they know they can come, they can get that support from you as well as all the, all the quality support they get in terms of the physical support as well. Yeah, I, I would say, Ben, that is, if there's things that I don't know, I will find out. Yeah. But I have people there that I can post onto. I will not be afraid to put my hand up and say, listen, this is beyond me. Let me just go and get somebody who knows what they're talking about, right? And it's like the communication with the club. We've had many times where football clubs have come to us and said to us, what are you doing with our athlete? What are you doing? You know, you, you, you're doing this and we've done this and we've done that. And I've gone, no problem. Um, first of all, good afternoon, you know, if you want to come in and sit down and have a chat and I'll send you an email and one thing I've done. And I've had it on many occasions. And when they've come in, it's been a completely different conversation. We will never ever obviously fight against the club, you know, because the club, you know, ultimately you put that's who you play for, they pay you wages and all that kind of stuff as well. 
we're just a support mechanism, you know, we're just that support mechanism. And I know that it's becoming more kind of like, kind of the, the thing now where a lot of people have that support outside of the club as well. But you have to be mindful that when, when prime example, I remember working with a player from Stoke, I remember speaking to the head, um, the head physio there and he said to me, Wayne, listen, it's fantastic work that you're doing. But uh, do me a favour. If there's anything there that you're going to implement, that's something different away from our away in that away from our program. Please get in contact with me and keep me informed. And I just thought that was, you know, I've had it at Sheffield United, I've had it at Sheffield Wednesday, I've had it at Bolton, I've had it at different clubs, Everton, Manchester United, where they've gone. Wayne, this is the program. Could you just make sure he follows this or he or she follows this program? And go, not a problem at all. And I like that. And that's communication between, you know, because that's what you have to do: communicate with the clubs. But for me, it's a case of it's not about me. This is what I do and it's the best thing. And this is what this is a situation, not a chance. Follow the programme, communicate with the club so everyone knows what they're doing. We're all singing towards the same sheet. During the off-season, it'll be obviously completely different because you can spend a bit more quality time with them. But then during in-season, they might want to come in and touch on things that they don't really spend much time on. So we've been able to give kind of like do that, but still advise with the club as well. So it's been really, really good for us. And that, that transparency is the key, isn't it? Because that's probably where clubs get really frustrated is that like practitioners will take players and they'll they'll work on things and, and not be transparent and not share the work that they're doing or step away from the programme and it just becomes a bit of a mess in terms of monitoring load and being aware of what the players are doing. And they might say, oh, no, I did this the other day. And they say, well, we didn't know about that. So yeah, course, that yeah. transparency is key, isn't it, with the club? Yeah, we um, say for instance, when 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 Igalo came to came to uh, Man United, we were quite fortunate because um, the the deal then was done like ten fifty nine, and and by about twelve thirty, I got recall, I got a call from China, just funny number. I just thought, you know, what's his number? And it was the agent ringing me saying, "When can you set up a training program um, for him? He's going to come down. We've got like two weeks of a window, and but United were going to Marbella at the time." And so the agent brought him in, he came in, he flew in over the weekend and then on this on this on the Monday he was there and we were doing like sessions with him and we were working around the clock with him to get him prepared for obviously his United debut, which was against Chelsea. But what was really, really pivotal and what was good, I was able to speak to a guy called um Steve McNally, who's the manic uh, who's the doctor, who's like the head doctor there, and also a guy called Charlie Owen, who was the um he, I think he's the um athletic development head of athletic development. And he said he, he actually said to me, look, Wayne, this is fantastic. I gave him a handover, all his GPS results when we were doing work outside, but then obviously the conditioning and what the major lifts were and what we did over them, them two weeks. And he said, and he sent me an email basically saying the handover has been perfect because now we were in a position now to then carry on from there as well because you've already set the groundwork for us. So I was really, really taken back by the email that they sent from, from Man United. But there's a lot of obviously things behind that. But at the same time, I was able to communicate with him on a regular basis. So it was for us, it was fantastic. He was keeping touch, you know, and it was great. And he went in and fantastic. And then all of a sudden, coronavirus hit. So we kind of stopped him in his tracks. But that communication alone for me was pivotal because we were able to talk and, and, and put everything. And I was able to email and send him across all these bits of information moving forward. And again, we started off talking about reputation, but this is how it's built, isn't it? Because the initial reputation that you built working with players and, and doing all those early years graft was one thing. But the other thing, like you said before, it can be destroyed in a second if you don't if you don't act right. And this is the ways of acting right, isn't it? The transparency, 
they're having conversations with people, um, being open and honest with the clubs. And that, yeah. all that means is when you get people from the same club or come across that practitioner in the future, they're going to look at you in the right light, aren't they? They're not going to be like, oh, no, Wayne's, Wayne's just a pain. He, he gets in the way and all the rest of it. They're going to encourage it because, because of the work that you've done. Yeah, because there was a guy at uh, Shepherd. I want to say this. There was a guy at Shepherd Wednesday back called Keith McGrath. Really, really good guy. And he basically, I was working with a player during the off season, and he sent me all the information about this player because this player, I think, he had a really bad hamstring tear, and he had an operation on his hamstring tear. And he was able to kind of send me all this information. But he said, Wayne, what they've got to do with these players, they've got to send me like what they're doing during the off season as well. But stick to our program. So I was able to give him kind of like very much like video shots of once a week in sessions, but also getting him to follow the program as well. That would have been prescribed by obviously by the sports scientists and the, and the, and the, and the physiotherapy, head of physiotherapy. And then what I did was at the end of like probably the week, I just sent him basically a block of shots from, from Dartfish, sent him a load of stuff, sent him all the information, sent him a report. And he was like, Wayne, this is fantastic. This is music to our ears. So by the time when he went back in, it was quite easy to reintegrate him back into doing pre-season work because he was ready for the pre-season then and he said that you know and hopefully you know he's, he's gone in there with um, you know injury free but the, the operation that he had was a major operation anything could happen during the course of pre-season if it's not monitored right and it's about that monitor, you know monitoring you know load and what you're then doing and not building up too much too soon most of the players nowadays get involved with technical coaches Ben but you have to be careful with that as well because what some of the technical coaches don't seem to understand that it's very much like you're still doing load, you know, you're still loading up, you're still running, you know, there's still that fatigue element, still everything else that goes with it. And you have to kind of, when they come in and see you then later on, if they've had double sessions, you have to kind of say, well, we're not going to do that, especially if we just do some active recovery or, you know, just go on the walk bike, you know, for half an hour and just do some like flexibility and mobility, just let, let's, not kind of loading up too, too much too soon or let's not do anything stupid here because when you then go back in, you know, anything could potentially happen and then where they say, well, what have you done previously? Who have you worked with? I've worked with way too much of the sport and I've worked with this guy. They're not going to look at the other guy. They're going to look at you. So that's why it's important trying to, to monitor and trying to speak to these guys and have a good relationship with them. Because you, again, you mentioned before that we're, we're all support coaches, aren't we? regardless of what your official role says, we're all support coaches to support the player to perform on the pitch. And if everyone's pulling in different directions and doing their own bits, then it doesn't, it doesn't get them anywhere, does it? Like the, the club could be doing one thing. You could have an S&C doing something else, a private technical coach doing something else, a private physio doing something else. It could all just be a mess, can't it? Whereas awesome. when it works right, and I'm sure you've seen times that it has and the times that it hasn't, it, it's efficient, isn't it? It's efficient and it, it gives the club and it gives the players what they need. Yeah, of course, yeah. And I, and I think that, that, that is all point because everything, everyone benefits out of it at some point. And, you know, working with players, working with different people, but at the same time, I think communication is key, Ben. I think communication is key. And I would say, first and foremost, with any players that come in, before they actually come into the gym, who's the guy there that we need to speak to? Um, sending more information, you know, if if needs be. But also, what I can do is I can always share my programs with that particular person if they need to see anything on there as well. So at least they can they can have a look and say, "Well, Wayne, that's great. That's not great. We can't do that at the moment because he's he's in this at the moment. We're in this program. 
So I try as much as I possibly can, Ben, to kind of like share that information as well. I'm, I have a very, very open, you know, kind of like door, you know, where people can come in and talk. It wasn't like that in the beginning. It was, it was difficult at the beginning because people, the first thing that they say is, who are you? So you've had to build that up from two or three people that have come in, Ben, maybe from the same team or someone that I've worked with someone before. So I've had to build that up. But at the same time, it's, it's difficult because if someone's never met you before, it's like, right, okay, what I'll do is I'll send all this information, I'll send it across, at least they can see what's going on, rather than me um, trying to implement all these things and then working against club on and then the player benefits. The player might say, I've, I, I want to come in and work with you, Wayne. But no, you don't work, you don't play for me. You don't, you know, I mean, you, you even have to mentor the player and say, listen, just go in, this is what's expected of you, this is what you have to do. And just follow it, you know, follow it. So yeah, that's it is it is difficult. It's trying to find that fine line. And when coaches have have built a bit of experience and they're and they're gathering that reputation, and what I'm thinking I spot to a lot of people about is is value. And you've mentioned it before, like knowing your worth, knowing your value. And we don't have to talk obviously in terms of numbers, in terms of how much you're charging, all that sort of stuff. But where would you direct people? Like, what's the advice for you to give to coaches? Because when they're setting up privately. I've spoke to coaches that have won World Cups and I'll ask them like how much it is to get them involved on a bit of work and they don't know. They don't they don't know the value. So and this is people at any stage of the career, really, isn't it? But how do you go about that? I'm not expecting like any sort of equation or anything, but your experiences on how you sort of developed it and how you know your worth. Yeah. So I mean one I'll give you two examples then. One one of them was a coach recently that 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 I know, and he's working with a Premier League player, and he's been involved in the, in working for like a, a another governing body, you know, in different sport. But he's he's working in a different sport, but he's, he's working with a particular footballer. And his words to me at that time um, was, "Wayne, I need your help. This is an experienced coach. I need your help. I don't know how to price this. I don't know how to do this. You know, I don't know how to put this into perspective. You know, um, I've never done all this kind of like." consultancy before I need your help and I was like right okay so you're the coach what do you have to do have you had a meeting with the player no I've not had a meeting with the player okay so we need to find out what the player needs and wants as well and what period of time how long have we got and what budget have you got because usually it comes from the player either the the, the, the agent will say yeah it's not a problem at all because what's the cost of getting it wrong then you've then got to travel then you've got to look at how much of your remit how you're going to get out there you see travel is one of the key things it's not about the session you may have to travel, you might have to travel to London, you might have to travel across the other side of the globe. It doesn't really matter where, you know, so you've got to keep that in factor. So you've got to look at very much uh, the time, the time element. Then when you then get there, everything else is easy because then you're going to deliver the session. But what some people feel then sometimes is when you then go into it, it's like, well, I'm paying you for the session. Travel won't come into it. You think, well, well, yeah, of course it does because it's my time. I still have to get there and then I have to deliver the session. Then I'm getting back at the same time. Why is it so expensive? Or why is it, you know, and you'll see that with a lot of people, especially. So what I'm saying to a lot of people starting out is when you know you're worth, you've got to sit down and keep and, 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 put, and put that into a factor. First of all, find out about the player, find out how long, over what period, find out where you've got to travel. There's so much research and things that you have to then do moving forward before you then start pricing it up. And then when yeah. you then put and then when you put it all together, it's like, Wow, travel, sessions, time, writing the programs, mm. 
monitoring, maybe game attendance as well, which is a big one. You've got to see how you guys, you might then get that from Huddle or some form of kind of data, you know, data, data, data performance analysis from me. But it's all those things that can, and then you can then be in a position then to put everything together, then price your sessions accordingly. You know what I mean? It's not just about them coming through your door, it's about everything that comes with it then as well. The whole kind of like thing. Have you, how much time have you spent with them? How many times of the week do they want you in? They don't want you to come to games. It may be a flexibility more bit. The amount of gyms at the at the homes where they want you to come to the homes or something like that as well. There's a lot of things to consider then. There's a lot yeah. of things moving forward. What I'd say on it as well, when is something you've mentioned before, the time it takes to travel, the time it takes to do programs, and all all the time that's taken from you is time away from your daughter, or away from your wife. Like it's personal time taken away from you, isn't it? So I think that's what people have to consider is that it that is your time and yeah, your your time is valuable. And we, we're not going to talk about prices or anything like that, but that's what you've got to consider. You've got to consider the, the travel time and everything that it takes is taken away from what you're going to be doing otherwise. So, so we, have a, we have a Premier League player and, you know, he's fine, but he's obviously the people around him. And they said, we want you, Wayne. We want you for the season. Okay, I said, well, where did, you know, first of all, having a meeting with them, where does he live? What, you know, how long, what time, where do we have to go? All that kind of stuff, writing the programs, making sure that they're doing that, then they want game attendance. And I thought, okay, no problem. So once I've kind of priced everything up then, and then I've, I've sent it to them, he was like, he came in one day and he said to me, and this invoice you've given me, you've given me this invoice. We're not paying that. We're not paying that. No, you know, and, was, and I said, okay. I said, I said, Invoice. I said, oh, you mean the proposal? So I said, you know about the proposal. What do you mean? Well, the idea is you take things out, you keep things that you want and you take things out that you don't want and then we revise the price. Well, why is it taking you so long? I said, well, that's how long it's going to take me to get there and then I've got to go home. So you want the session that happens nine at night. Then I've got to drive back to Leeds. I'm getting back there, you know, you know for probably about 1, 1 p.m., half past 12, 1 p.m., so what do I, you know, so then you want me to work on Sunday and that's the only time when I get off and that's the only time when I get with my family. So what about me? So the aspect of work my balance, you know what I mean? And kind of working it out where what is useful and what is not useful and, and is it worth your while? You know, know your worth, is it worth your while? If it's not worth your while, yes, we can gain experience from it then, but at the same time, it's got to be, you've got to know your worth, work everything out first and then you work out, the aims, the objectives, and what you know, what happens next, and you know, once you price it up, and then you, you know, you presented that proposal to them. That's the initial bit. Don't be in a rush to kind of like send something because it's a, a, a latest Premier League player or player playing out in the WSL, and you want to be the in thing, and they're going to be paying you in Instagram vouchers. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? This is this is what it is. This is the real world. We all have to survive and do that. We all love doing what we're doing. That's why we're on things like this. But at the same time, you've got to know your worth. You've got to know. All that graph that you've been doing, the degrees, the masters, if you've got into PhDs and stuff as well, it ultimately comes down to someone saying, I want you, but I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Or I want you, and I am going to pay for it, and you're going to be with me for a length of time, and that's fantastic. But and that and that's a difficult thing then. Yeah, no, it's great advice. And it it's something that otherwise you're going to end up doing working ridiculous hours and not getting paid much. And it's something that we spoke about before that when uh, uh, when people are ending up in jobs at clubs in these low, lowly paid positions, 
if consultancy is a reason for coming away from that, which I'm, I'm not saying it is for everyone, but it might be for a majority of people, you're ending up in the same position. And I know Rob is doing, uh, Rob Pace is doing some great work on surveying coaches. And I know he's got some stuff coming out on like working hours and things like that. And I look at it and it scares the hell out of me because I'm like, I cannot believe coaches are going through days like, uh, through weeks like that. Like, well, when, yeah, but when, but the fact of the matter is, people will do it. Yeah. Will, yeah, yeah. Will, listen, let's not, let's not kind of dismiss this. I would have done it. Yeah. I, I would have done it. I, back then, you know, someone said to me, you're going to work um, part-time at Man United. And I thought, my first job, this is fantastic. But I know for a fact that that person who was kind of heading up that team was in no position then to offer me that job because yeah. he, was, he was just an employee like everybody else. So I would have done anything. I would have worked for nothing just to, just to work at Man United at that time. Mm. So when someone's offering you now £12,000 or... £15,000, you think to yourself, well, you know, I had a job at Crew. Well, then I've got to move to Hull. Then I've got to have a relocation budget. Do you know about anything about relocation budgets? No, I didn't kind of put that into me in the view. Well, we've got to move. We've got to move some relocation budget. So that's in their budget. They've just offered you a flat wage and they've tried to even come down from that flat wage as well. Mm. That flat okay? So what does that say about you? But then you're expected to go in and deliver all these things, work with the academy, come home late at night, you know, get back from, you might be then playing in London where you're then having to then travel down and then you're coming back to two, three o'clock in the morning, but then still expected to be at work at half past eight the next day. Do you know what I mean? Where's the value? There's no value then. There's no, you know what I mean? And that's why a lot of guys nowadays, when I'm speaking to a lot of the coaches nowadays, that's what you have to take into account. Are you prepared to then do that? But make the sacrifices, but remember this thing, this job, this S&C game, is not well paid. And that's why when I looked at Rob Pace's kind of like that analysis about obviously the coaches, and it was a very, very good in-depth analysis of obviously the coaches and what what the worth is and what they should be getting and what they are getting and the reality, the, the, you know, the harsh realities of the SNC game in football. Yeah, and I think with that, because maybe I've contradicted myself because we were talking about sacrifices before and being willing to take sacrifices and things like that. And then it's also talked about not working too many hours and things like that. So people might get a little bit confused on that. But I think the main thing with it is that it's going somewhere. Like you're right. People take these jobs that are paying whatever wage they're paying, which Mm. is fine. You pick up your experience, but then you've got to have a plan to move on to something else and make it worth your while, haven't you? And again, knowing your worth, like that might be your your worth for a short period of time. You pick up your experience and you either work through um at that club or you have an ambition of moving on upskilling moving on and and then whether it is working into another club and, and get it's not obviously not all about money but we have to know our worth don't we that that's what it comes down to yeah definitely I, you know I and mean, we've got some really really good coaches out there that are doing some fantastic work as well and you can even see that on some of the social media stuff or some of the things that they've been doing individually and trying to kind of like if they're doing programs or they're doing some like video things, footage and everything, and then they're still working out like a major football club. And, and if anything happens, at least then they say, "Well, this is what I've been doing," you know. And a lot of the work has been really, really good. It's been highlighted, you know. It could be on a particular subject or it could be on a particular movement or something like that. So, and I've seen a lot of decent coaches do that. But then I then get inundated then every time about when I've been offered a job at a club, but they're only offered me fifteen thousand pounds for the year. 
and you think to yourself, wow, well, well, how do you feel about it? Well, I need the experience or I need this and go, okay, well, you can do that, but then you've got to have a plan then moving forward. If you're going to go in there, most of the time, you know, I mean, you might be at home with your parents and stuff as well. Can you afford to take the hit for two years or gain the experience and gain the knowledge? So we're not dismissing it, but at the same time, we've got, we've got to kind of get something out of it because if you then go for a job nowadays, as you know, Ben, with both of you, obviously, with your, most of your, um, your listeners, if you then go for a job and then they turn around and say, well, what experience have you done? Where have you worked? What have you done? You're just coming to fresh out of university or I potentially might have only been working um, part-time in an academy two, three days a week, you know, and it's only two hours a day, you know? So it's a case of like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. You need the experience. You need, you know, you need the kind of like to gain some common knowledge, but at the same time, do you then go for these jobs that are paying either between twelve and £15,000 a year? Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to dive into something with you, Wayne, because the, the whole other side of that job interview process is something that I've not experienced, but I know goes on all the time. And that is discrimination in yeah. different ways, shapes, forms, something that we spoke about um, and touched on the podcast previously. But you were yeah. talking um, earlier in the podcast about that interview that you went to. And I know it's something you're going to expand on as well in terms of your experience. And I think this is really, really key for listeners to hear as well so do you want to go into that in terms of what you face and the sort of experiences that went, you went through with that yeah i mean it, i i was quite fortunate because after being at city and being around there i had a phone call from from one of the coaches he now works to, he, he works at wigan and i remember him ringing me and saying to me wayne listen there's a there's a there's a position at a job a premier league club if you're interested i've worked with a guy at the england under 21s Go, you know, I've told him all about you. Go, you know, speak to him and stuff as well. Here's his number, here's his email address. So I emailed him and gave him a call and spoke to him. He was like, yeah, I've been expecting your call. I dropped him an email, several emails, and we were conversating. It was basically, it was a formality because you know how it was then back then. You know, some of the experienced guys in Europe who were listening to this will know, you know, jobs in football were very, very, they weren't advertised. You know, I mean, it was always a job for the boys. You know, I mean, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's like that in life in general, but football was very much like, it was very much like that. So I was, I was quite lucky because then the, someone referred me. So I was able to go and have this interview. And I went down there and I prepared. The interview was in January, but I then got the notification in November. So I had two months to prepare this interview and talking about what would you do if you bring your player in for the first time into an academy settle? And it's practically what I'm doing now. And my dissertation was about the same thing as well, about the player, the journey, the pathway, when they get released, mental health, all of that as well. It was it was basically music to my ears, Ben. And I was like, oh, I've got something on that. I've got the dissertation on that. So I was able to kind of move a few things around. And Ben, I remember going in there and there was the, there was the HR, head of uh, human resources. There was um, the uh, medical, head of medical. And there was the academy, uh, academy manager who was this particular guy. And when I got there, um, they, they showed me through and I remember knocking on the door. And I remember him opening the door, Ben, and he had his foot in between the door, like halfway. And he said, just up, he said, uh, can I help you? And I said, I'm here for the interview. He said, what's your name? I said, uh, Wayne Richardson. He said, just hang on there. So he went, to, um, his, he went to the desk. He looked at my CV. He looked at my face. He looked at my CV. And then basically, Ben, there was no job. He said, we, you know, I see you've worked for, he tried to, basically tried to conduct the interview for, 
from the door. It was I, I was I was kind of I was laughing the head off then. I was to be fair, I was laughing the head off. And I think the only reason why I got through is because the woman who was the head of HR was there. So they had to do it, you know, it was that kind of like what now is that boom rule where they have to go through all. Yeah. I went through this this interview and it basically wasn't, he was just looking and scribbling around. He wasn't really interested in asking any questions or anything. I think he was the medical guy and, and obviously the HR that were asking questions. And I had to conduct this interview that was basically this journey from 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 start to finish in the academy play. Even when they, they go on and get the scholar or get the pro or they get released, what happens next, what's the exit strategies and everything like that. So it wasn't just about sports science and conditioning. And when I came out of it, um, he said, he went, after the interview, he was just like, right, we'll let you know. Um, thanks very much. You've got to get home now, haven't you? Right, see ya. That was it. Done. Mm-hmm. I went there and I thought to myself, wow, if this is what it's all about, you know what I mean? I'm always going to be against it. I'm going to be against it. My mats are going to be against the wall. I'm going to have to work twice as hard as everybody else just to kind of get through that process of getting through the door. Yeah. So even when, even when I had that experience, the qualifications, then gone back to uni, got everything, worked with some top players, you know, at the time I was working at City, worked with some top players, all that kind of stuff. It didn't account for anything. Didn't account for anything. But I didn't see it, Ben, as like a negative. I always turn a negative into a positive. I always try and look at the, the bright side of it as well and thinking to myself, what can I do to pave the way for the next generation coming forward? Mm. What and what I do, Ben, is I, I offer black coaches or coaches coming through. It doesn't have to be black. It's just not a black thing as well. But just from my experience of getting players, the young coaches to come in and offer my experience and talk to them about some of the journeys. So I'm trying to pave the way for the next generation of saying to people, listen, education is key. Network with people as much as possible. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Mm. If, they're, if they're telling you, giving you excuses, just say to them, listen, I just want some feedback. Always ask for feedback. Do you know what I mean? And be polite and courteous and send them. If they're saying, if it's very short and crisp and straight to the point of this, 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 this email, send them a courteous email back. Thanks very much for your time. Much appreciated. And it's just those general things. And I've had it, Ben. I've had it all the time. I've had it with people, work with athletes, work with players, you know, and people have turned around and said, you know, who are you? You work out there, not interested and all that kind of stuff. And it's just been so negative. But I've always tried to maintain that as a black, as a black man, but at the same time as a person, a person, a person first. What would it be for me to be in that position? Or I've been in that position. Mm. But I've, all that, you know, and prime example, obviously before I finish on this one, was Middlesex University. And I was so grateful to them because they gave me an opportunity to then speak on a Zoom call to nearly 200 of their students. And it was so funny because they had people who'd done PhDs and people who had set up their coaching businesses. But well, I said to them at the time, this guys, this is real talk. This is what's going to happen. If you want to be in a situation like me, I'm going to tell you about my journey and about what happened. And then I remember, it was so funny, and I cried. The dean of the university, right, said, I don't, want, don't go away, I want to speak to you. And he said, this is amazing. We want to put this into a very much like a module. Mm. This it's something that we've never done before. So I'm in the process of setting that module up of helping the next generation, but nine times a 10 around Middlesex, it's 70% black and ethnic. Mm. So they were saying is, we've got these black and ethnic, you know, Asians, you know, um, Pakistanis, whatever the case may be, around the area. Well, 
they aspire to be in positions like you, but don't know how to get there. Yeah. So guys, there's this, there's Federation Football Fitness, there's this, there's this, there's these little platforms, network with people, give them little pointers. And they've got that then as a module. Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, well, on the back of my experiences. So, you know, it is difficult. Yeah. Will it go away anytime soon? Maybe, maybe not. It's something that's been going on for a long time. People feel threatened, not only about, you know, about knowledge and about your experience, going into situations where it's negative and you've got to turn that into a positive, but not just seeing it as everyone's against me, it's a black thing and all that kind of stuff. It's not about that. Get the right qualifications, speak to the right people, network with the right people and never give up. You know what I mean? That's that's my opinion. That's what I always say to a lot of the the young coaches coming through. And that's why it's so important to talk about, isn't it? And get get your experiences and other coaches that have gone through something similar, get their experiences out there because it will be so easy in that position as well. And I can't imagine the amount of coaches that have gone through something similar that it's just made them do the opposite and just completely step away from what they were pursuing because they're not getting a fair crack at things. So you've obviously flipped it and turned it into that positive, but how many coaches out there already have have gone and not have done that? And that's that's a scary thing. So many many people have come in with a work experience, Ben, and they're just gone, they're doing something completely different. I was looking at a guy on LinkedIn, he's gone into DJing. DJing. He's gone and masters. He's Mm. done his masters. I said, what happened? I said, just out of curiosity, what happened? He said, I wasn't really, you know, it didn't really happen for me. And he just gave up. Mm. I mean, what, what, what's that like? Nearly five years of university and, you know, it, that, that was it. It's all over. It was done. And I said to him, but one interview, I said, don't let one situation define your career. Mm. Let, look at it long term. You know, sometimes you've got you to stick at it. You've got to work at it. But, not, but we're living in a different de- generation, Ben. Well, I've come from obviously a, a, an older generation where nowadays, you know, you say it's, it's the thing of social media and what it portrays and it looks good and all that kind of stuff. And some people are not willing to, to work hard, you know, at, at, at something. And, and I wanted it, Ben. Yeah. I was so bad. You know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes you've got to lose to win. Yeah. And I've lost so many times. Do you know what I mean? And I've had to gain that and gain that experience by asking questions. And I'm still asking questions now and I'm still learning and still want to learn and you know I spend most of my time at GB Taekwondo you know what I mean I'm looking at two of the coaches there and looking at what they do and you know all that kind of stuff as well and I'm thinking what can I learn and how can I greet people and, and unfortunately you know what I mean giving this information back to young coaches it's like they do it or they don't do it so it's yeah. like sad no it is but I, I honestly think it, it just needs people like yourself it needs more awareness, doesn't it, of, of your experiences. And the more we can get these, these stories, these experiences out there to coaches, it gives mm-hmm. them the reality of, yeah. of what it's like, um, yeah. everything that we've touched on. And like, I appreciate how honest you've been on the, on the podcast, Wayne, because I know we've spoke about a lot of this, like not recording it and, uh, and you coming on and, and um, talking about all this sort of stuff. I hope it's really beneficial for people listening. And I really appreciate you, you talking about it. Um, I've just realised we've gone over an hour, which is absolutely gone <laughs> in a blink of an eye. I knew it would, but I wanted to try and just get some of these quick fire questions done just on the end of it as well. Um, yeah, that we finish each podcast with, and then we'll get where where people can look you up and keep an eye on what's going on at Richardson Sport as well. But first one, uh, who are some of the biggest influences on your career? 
Um, three, oh, four people, um, a guy called Jim Cassell, who was at Man City, uh, the academy director, who gave me that opportunity, that first opportunity. You always remember that person that gave me that first opportunity moving yeah. forward. He said to me, in 10 years' time, Wayne, when I set up Richardson Sport, after having it, because he'd written a book while he was in Dubai, in 10 years' time, what you're doing is going to be very, very sought after. I'm 11 years into it, and I've never been so grateful to him for his words, his kind words. Another guy uh, called Mike McKenzie, who was very, the, um, he brought through players at the time from grassroots to um, professional football, who had been the manager at High United and Winterford and lower league clubs, telling me how to deal with players and stuff as well. You're probably, you're probably talking the best part of nearly five and a half thousand footballers he brought through, mm. you know, at levels, telling me how to deal with players and stuff as well, trials, you know, what to go through and everything as well, you know, and some of the things that he did. Guy called Billy Hughes, who was at Man, he was at Man City as well, who basically set up a truce between two gangs, two rival gangs, and had this football game, but at the same time was very much like talent ID. Remember all these roles that are coming into it now, like talent ID and being involved in kind of like sports science. It wasn't, it was unheard of then that back then. People used to just do them for the sake of doing them. Yeah. So you know, so there was like him, you know, and been around, had a chat with him and things that he's set up and what he's done and everything. And he's been very influential to me and giving me the right advice and introducing me to the right people. And my partner, Emma Hughes, because if it wasn't for her, she's had to endure quite a lot in terms of this for me to kind of follow my dream. And, you know, um, when she set this up, you know, she's been integral and, and played a massive part in that as well. We always say behind every man is a successful woman. And she's been really, really good to me in terms of like giving up her time and minding our daughter when I've been away and doing stuff as well and kind of like working with like some top-end people. So I can't forget my partner and, and my wife-to-be. So she's done quite a lot of work behind the scenes. Brilliant. And then next one, what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, being a good listener, Ben. Being a good listener and being, you know, being open and honest to people and, and saying you can do it. Um, I, I, and try to be supportive and, and, and try to find out first of all what the problem is and how it can help. So I think being a lesson, I think the, the, the kind of like conditioning and the data and everything else is, is, is for me, is secondary, yeah. you know, because, you, you know, in order for that player to come in or that athlete to come in, you've got to try and find out first of all what's going on in here. And, if it, you know, if they're not right and they're not kind of up for what's going to go on, I would say, guys, do me a favour. You just need to go out the door and, you know, I'm prepared to listen to you or remember what you're then doing. So I think my biggest strength is very much like being a good listener, but then the years of experience of obviously working with players and and, and, and doing that, and nothing doesn't nothing doesn't phase me then. I'm, I'm always, open, you know, open and honest and kind of giving that feedback back. So yeah, being a good listener is probably one of the best things for me. Brilliant, great answer. And then final one, mate, where do you do your learning now? Where, like, where's your CPD? Yeah. I, know, I know you... Before COVID, we ran into each other on different courses and things like that. But what, what about now? Obviously, um, people like um, Rob Pacey, listening to people like him, you know, I love them to bits, you know what I mean? They just sent me some T-shirt with their thing on it and all that kind of stuff as well. But I get a lot out of that. John Noonan's of this world, you know what I mean? I love what John Noonan does, you know. Um, I spoke to him last night. I said, listen, I want to mention, obviously, you in this and the stuff as well. And he said, I don't know what for. And I said, because I take great inspiration out of people like yourself. Yeah. Shane Murphy, Hunter, you know, Des Ryan, people like that as well, where I look at courses and go, oh, I can do that. It's, I can do that in the middle of the night, you know, it's fine, you know, and I can set that up and CPD, you know, because they're always doing something that's 
I think it's good football people there and you understand what I go through. If I'm going to go on a course, they know what times and structures and things like that as well. So, so Tans has been really, really good, you know, like four things like that as well. So I would say those people and those kind of things. And UKCA um, workshops have been really, really good. The ones compared to what it was 10, 11 years ago, yeah. I think it's so I think it's changed so much, you know, and there's been some really, really good practitioners on there, even though it's not been my sport, but the ability to know what's still going on out there, you know, because you never know who you're going to run into. You're not always going to do football at a time, but 70, 90% of the time, it's obviously for me, it's obviously football, fitness and conditioning, but it's still a really, really good thing. I think give credit to UKC because they've still done a lot of different stuff to change so much and brought some really, really good vibrant good practitioners in there as well, you know, and, and obviously people like yourself where, you know, FFF where it's been, the platforms have been really, really good and the kind of practitioners that you brought in there as well and the ability to give back to people and make them aware of obviously what's going on as well. So I like that, you know, while I'm on the move, I like all those kind of things and things that I can get involved in. So yeah, those things are really, really important to me and good. Brilliant, mate. Well, Wayne, this has been class. I could literally sit here and chat all day. Um, but I know you're super busy as well, so you need to you need to be getting back to it. But I really appreciate you coming on, mate. But not just coming on, but um, just be, like I said, being so honest, being so open, telling telling stories and your experiences. And if anyone hasn't listened to the previous episode as well, episode seven, I think it was, go back and listen to that as well because I, I think we went into some different stuff there as well. Um, just finally, Wayne, people want to keep an eye on Richardson Sport. They want to keep an eye on what's going on. Um, give us the links, mate. Where's best to look up? Yeah. Um, on Twitter at Richardson Sport, uh, Facebook, you know, richardsonsport.com, you know, um, got a link there as well, um, and at Richardson Sport on Instagram. So obviously those are three platforms that are really, really good, you know, and then day-to-day things, you can see what, what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. We'll keep, the, obviously, the listeners informed of obviously the things that we're going to be doing with the Academy WSL, you know, talks at the WSL as well, which is integral. And obviously some of the conversations that I'm having with different universities, which we're going to record and obviously send over as well. So they've got an opportunity to have a look at that. And then just at richardsport.co.uk um, to have a look at our website as well, you know, which will then give you some like, background about what we do and, and where we're based. Brilliant, mate. Well, I really appreciate it, Wayne. It's great to catch up. And yeah. um, all appreciate the best it. to the family. And we'll have um, we'll have an in-person catch-up soon. Let's sort that out. And also, we'll get another one. When you've sorted out all the work I know you've got coming up as well, let's get another one and talk about that too, because yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Much appreciated. Top man. Thanks, Wayne. You're welcome. Bye for now. Wow. What an episode. I really appreciate Wayne coming on. Um, so honest in this podcast. I really appreciate him going um, into some of the stories that he told. We speak about this thing off air, but it was really good of Wayne to come on and talk about some of the um, experiences, especially around the racial discrimination that he's faced in the game. I think it's really important to talk about, um, but also the the sort of um, experiences he's had with players. And I know that the story that he told was very sort of touching and um, hopefully people don't have to go through those sorts of things. But I think it is very important to make people aware this sort of thing happens um, and I know it's something that, that Wayne's had to deal with in his career so I really appreciate him coming on and being so open and honest. Um, go and give Wayne a follow on Twitter and Instagram if you're not already he's at Richardson Sport. He's really open with his work as well so he, he does put a lot, out a lot of stuff um, that he and his team get up to with the players and the athletes that they work with. Um, in terms of takeaways from me 
I've called the podcast The Person Comes First because I think that is the overriding message from the episode. We are dealing with people. We're not dealing with footballers. We're dealing with people that play football. Um, so we need that in mind, that we need that skill to talk and interact with people. Networking, obviously, is something that we value. We've got our networking meetings, but Wayne is the number one networker. I'm not lying when I say, when I speak to people around the city of Manchester, which I'm there quite a lot, everyone knows what Wayne does. You say Wayne Richardson, they know. Wayne works with footballers. And that's because he's built his network and he's built his reputation over a number of years. And there's a lesson in there for anyone starting out and getting into the industry. Um, He spoke about listening, a key skill. So something that we probably don't speak about enough, but something that is really important. And some of the experiences that, that Wayne spoke about has come down to him listening to his players, not just prescribing programs, not just taking plays in the gym, but actually sitting down and listening to what they've got to say. Um, He talked about the first year in business or first year of business being key and getting through that first year. So for anyone that's setting up, um, that is something to bear in mind. There's going to be struggles along the way in that first year, but making it through that, that first year is a big step. Many don't make it through. Um, he spoke about communication being key, which is tied into it in what I've talked about already. Knowing your worth, we talked about as well. So um, not just in terms of price on how much you charge, but how much time you spend doing what you're doing as well. That is your worth. That is your time. So we don't want to be, and I know Rob Pace is doing some great work on looking into the sort of hours worked, coaches at clubs, but we probably need to be taking that into account for anyone that's self-employed and running their own businesses as well. Um, And then he also said, which I wrote down straight away as soon as he said it, you always remember the person that gave you your first opportunity. And that's what Wayne said. And he pointed out the person in when when I asked him at the end of the podcast, some of his biggest influences, he went straight to that person because it was the person that gave him that first chance. So anyone that's interviewing, taking people on, Keep that in mind because that you're going to have a big impact on that person's career. So I hope you enjoyed the episode with Wayne. I, I thought it was brilliant. That's why I wanted to get him on for so long since that first episode. If you haven't checked out the first episode, by the way, go back and give it a listen. Um, it was a long time ago now, but um, we did cover some great stuff in that episode as well. So go and give it a listen. That was episode seven way back when. But As always, please give this episode a share. I think we've covered some really crucial stuff in this episode and it needs sharing. Some of the conversations we've had need sharing. So share it far, share it wide. Twitter, Instagram, um, or just send it out to friends, family, coaches, whoever you think will benefit. And I will speak to you again next week for episode 157. 